Michelle. We all love our teachers. We really, really do. But that doesn't mean we all haven't also had some very interesting, awkward moments. And it's going to be pretty inevitable when you're spending hours and hours over the course of years with a teacher. And today, we're going to share some funny stories with our favorite teachers, our least favorite teachers, and some interesting teachers we've met in master classes. Oh, yes. As you know, you never know what's going to go down in a master class. But before we jump into that, just want to let you guys know a couple things that's happening at Opera Offstage. So if you don't already, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Opera Offstage. We do lots of different events throughout the week, such as opera watch parties every Friday. We do those at 5 Pacific time and 8 Eastern time. We always let you guys vote on Wednesdays, so you guys get to actually pick what we're watching. And the theme for this upcoming week is Spanish operas. So if you want to get a little caliente with us, let's do it. Other than that, we would love if you guys take a couple seconds to leave us a review. It really helps us and lets more opera singers families of opera singers, teachers alike, to hear about us and find us. So leave us a review. It helps us out so much. But let's get down to the nitty gritty and uh, (laughs) talk about some of these crazy experiences we have with our teachers and master classes. So before we start reading the submissions that you sent in, and if you're actually new to these write-in episodes, you can actually submit to them through our Instagram, through our Facebook through our website, opera-offstage.com. So if you want to be a part of the next ones, once again, follow us so you can figure out what our new write-in episodes are about. So, Jesse, before we get into our submissions, do you have any stories? I have one of my favorite stories, and this isn't actually about one of my personal voice teachers, but it's actually about a choir director. One of my favorite moments of all time during music school. So I was in a treble choir, which is was all women except for one countertenor. <laughs> and we were doing our first fall concert that year. So we were all lined up, dressed up, just getting ready to enter. And we we're all just kind of standing around, chatting, kind of waiting to process to the risers. So our choir director comes in, this lovely, lovely sweet man. And he looks around and he gets our attention and he stops us. And he goes, okay. And he holds up a pitch pipe. And he goes, does anyone here know how to blow a D? And there's just that aching moment of silence where people are waiting to see if other people are going to laugh, where you're trying to hold back your laugh because you don't want to let someone know they've said something horribly inappropriate to a room full of mostly women. (laughs) But before we all get to make those decisions about whether or not we're going to laugh out loud into the face of our choir director, we had one student who was a bit older who may have missed the subtext of what was happening there. Because she immediately just goes, me, I know how to blow a D. I've done it before. (laughs) And at that point, like, game over. There's no holding back that laugh. I'm just covering my face with my binder because I I am immature and uncontrollably laughing. And that that memory is just burned into my mind of just one of the most beautiful moments of people missing subtext. (laughs) Oh, just not reading the room. Excuse me. I mean, the whole thing of, like, the note D, I think a lot of choir directors run into that problem. Because eventually that choir director caught on that, like, stuff like that was going to be funny to us. But I don't think they ever realized what they said that one day. Oh, yeah. Just so you know, for people who do not know who we're talking about, (laughs) some of you do. (laughs) Because some of you experienced this along with us. But we had a Facebook group 
going for a while of just funny sayings that this choir director would say. Oh, it's so good. It always came down to the D. It was always something that he said about the D that just destroyed our choir time and time again. It was just so good. But we actually had some submissions about this seemingly shared experience that we have if you're in choir. I had somebody send in like just a list of different quotes. And one of them from their choir was just, suck up the D ladies. <laughs> Which is just right in line. And then we had another uh, person send in one that says, I did a two-year stint as an interim choir director and voice teacher at a small liberal arts school. While working on ending consonants with my students, I told them, I need more D, stronger D. They all looked at me like deer in headlights and a few snickered. It took me about a full 15 seconds to realize what I'd said. Thank God they were all over the age of 18. (laughs) But Michelle, hit me with your story. Oh my. I have many a funny story of random things happening, both from my teacher and other teachers. But I have to say, and I know that this story is going to sound a little bizarre, but I cannot tell you how much I actually love this. So my teacher, I would be singing through like a phrase and I would be just like stiff as a board or just like in my head or thinking too hard about something or just like not doing what I was supposed to and to get me to relax she would chuck pencils at my body and just be like breathe breathe woman breathe for the love of god breathe and just like chuck pencils at me while I was singing and it was just the best and honestly after I stopped studying with that teacher for a while because I went to grad school (laughs) I really genuinely missed having pencils thrown at me and I thought about asking my new teacher about throwing pencils at me but I was like that doesn't sound like a good idea (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like a lawsuit that sounds bad (laughs) oh gosh I mean if this is who I assume it is used to have studio class with her and one of my favorite things she ever said to anybody was if you don't breathe you deserve to die (laughs) (laughs) Now, she means you deserve to, like, die on that note. But, man, is that a powerful quote. That's a shirt. Josie and I literally say that to each other all the time. Just, you know. I mean, it's so true. You deserve to die. Funny thing about my story is that we had somebody submit who has the exact same story. So it's a thing. Oh, my gosh. So this person wrote in and said, I once had a teacher working with me on hitting some high notes. She has heard me hit them without issue when I wasn't thinking about it. So while I was doing a run through of the piece, she chucked a pencil at me to scare me out of my head. And that's exactly what my teacher did to me. And it really works. That's uh, that's honestly kind of why I sometimes want people to lightly throw something at me. And to be fair, when you when I say she threw it, it's like if you were very casually throwing like a crumpled paper into a trash can, like literally the lightest tap. Yeah, the whole point is to get you focused on something outside of yourself. It's a very real thing. And I'm pretty sure I've had a teacher toss something at me to distract me from my, from destroying myself. Yeah, but oh my gosh. I just love having pencils thrown at me. It really just does the trick. Like maybe go with crumpled paper though, if you're going to try this on your own students. Like that's a safer bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like a paper clip. Our next one is... Real wild and uncomfortable. (laughs) So this person says, So I was at a yap one summer, and we were having a master class on art song in a lesser-known language. 
I think I may have been the only one performing in the master class that had actually studied diction for that language, so it caught the singer giving the master class off guard. What followed were a series of profoundly uncomfortable and slightly suggestive compliments along the lines of, That sounded really pretty, like you. Your tongue seems very flexible and finds the right position, which I'm sure comes in very handy. And you have to feel the consonant with your mouth, and you're so good with your mouth. I'm sorry, excuse me? <laughs> That's so freaky. Okay, I'm going to finish the, the reading. I'm pretty sure I turned completely red and sweat began to pour, which was rough because I'm one of those heavy sweaters when I sing. <laughs> Michelle can relate. Oh um, <laughs> because I was so embarrassed. Needless to say, I have not been able to look this woman in the eyes the same way since then. Uh, that's real gross and inappropriate. I love it. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrifying. It makes a great story. But that is horrifying that someone would say that to you in a master class. Yeah, that's just beyond me. I like how this person was like so turned on that they actually knew diction that they were like just so out of line. But that's like honestly just the absolute worst because nothing is for us who like sweat when we sing or like get nervous. Nothing is worse than when you're already sweating because you're singing and then somebody makes you uncomfortable. So then you just feel like you're dripping. (gasps) Horrible. Well, I guess that's the other thing is like part of master classes is usually just going with the flow. You know, even if you don't necessarily like a suggestion you get, you try it because you're in a master class and that's part of being respectful. So there's not really a great way to turn around and say like, hey, those comments are super uncomfortable. Yeah. Also, okay. here's the thing. What is it about master classes and I guess teaching in general where people just feel like they got to talk about your tongue? (laughs) <laughs> I know that's a huge <laughs> part of technique, but I... Okay, well, here's the thing. Let me read you a story about what somebody sent in, and then I'll tell you my own equally uncomfortable story. So, once again, I had this one person who just sent me in quotes, just out of context, which is just my favorite. And they said that they had this quote from their lesson that said, Feel your tongue thick and fat in your mouth like a big piece of meat. <laughs> Oh my god, I literally like was cackling so hard when I read that because (laughs) if you know me, you know that I have this, I guess it's not newfound anymore, but I have this insecurity about my tongue because one time (laughs) I was singing in my lesson and this other teacher just like came in to just say something to my teacher really quick and then they stopped and like we're kind of chatting it up. In my lesson, which was fine because the three of us were talking. And then my teacher was like, oh, what do you think about this phrase? So I like saying the phrase again. And the second teacher just goes, wow, you have a really fat tongue. That is the fattest tongue I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, no. I was just so horrified. <laughs> because it's true. <laughs> stick out my tongue i do have God. a fat tongue and i don't know what to I do swear. with this information like what do i do That's with like... that <laughs> people wonder why singers end up with so many neuroses oh my god and it, it always makes me laugh because like i'm telling you it's true like she like this teacher wasn't even wrong but a i don't know what to do with that information and b i'm like slightly insecure about the fatness of my tongue now <laughs> That's oh. the wildest thing I've ever heard. 
But I mean, I can relate as a person with a with, also with a thick tongue. I understand. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh! But that's my story. So you know, when somebody said, "Feel your tongue thick and fat in your mouth like a big piece of meat," I was like, "Me always." <laughs> Um, but this person who sent in that quote also had a second quote, and this one is just super out of context, which makes it even better. But in their song lit class, which I asked them about, and they also said that this is the same teacher that said that thick tongue quote, said, well, we don't know if it was a sweat soaked hip pumping encounter or something else, do we? (laughs) And that was just, that blew my mind. I was cackling over that too. Like, what are y'all talking about in song lit? It, it sounds to me like, like I had a teacher who was really uncomfortable talking about any aria relating to sex. Like they would just avoid the topic of it, even if it's the subject of the aria, which is bad because a lot of arias are about sex. A lot of art song is about sex. And so they would kind of like try to hedge their bets around it. You can't, you cannot possibly tell me that Bati Bati is not about sex. You can't. <laughs> because otherwise she's saying literally beat me. And I can't handle that as the context. <laughs> um, yeah. But to, to instead of just saying a sexual encounter, to describe it as a sweat-soaked, hip-pumping encounter is so much worse. It's so much worse. That's like, that to me is just nasty. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. We all come across these teachers who just, the wildest things escape their mouths and it sticks with us forever and it's wonderful. <laughs> or awkward. Yeah, and you know what? A lot of these are funny. Some of them are just bad teachers. Like this this poor next submitter said, I confronted my old teacher years ago saying she made me feel a bit nervous when she exaggerated my bad notes. Then she said I had a problem, not her, took her stuff, left the room, and slammed the door. This was a few weeks prior to my bachelor's recital. So yeah, I didn't have any more lessons with her after that. Yeah, no kidding. I can't believe this one. Can you imagine? I don't even know what I would have done if my teacher literally had a temper tantrum. So much so that they just straight stormed out. I was shocked by this one. All of my teachers were so desperate for feedback. Like every single teacher I had gave multiple avenues for anonymous feedback because they wanted to know if there was anything they could do better. So I I can't imagine having a teacher slam the door on me and leave. Well, okay, but this next... this. This next submission, perhaps, is even worse. Oh, no. <laughs> and very related. So this this kind person reached out and said, One time at this summer program, I was last to sing in a master class. Okay, side note, that's always the worst. Because you're sitting there, oh. you're like no longer warmed up. Like time's running out. It just I always like to go first or second. Like that's oh, yeah. ideal placement for me. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going last is always just like... It's too dicey, but, and side note. Uh, So this person says, and everyone was getting their full 20 minutes of singing slash feedback time. And I noticed when it was my turn to go, we only had about eight minutes or so left until the class was scheduled to end. So I got a little worried, but it was fine. So I got up there and I sang and we did a few minutes of coaching and whatnot. And then about nine or 10 minutes into my slot, he looked at his watch and said, oh, would you look at the time? I have to run. So sorry. And then I was on stage with my pianist while he left the hall. And well, that was that. Oh, can you so imagine being left straight up on stage still with your pianist and this 
masterclass host just leaves. <laughs> like, I can't think of anything. I would be in shock that they just canceled my time and straight up, not even just like dismissed, but left. And in my mind, I don't know how it actually went down, but like, when do you and your pianist decide to awkwardly dismiss the audience and like leave stage? You know what I mean? Yeah, you've got to be ready to close. And that's the thing is like usually at the end of a master class too, you know, people usually close it. They say a couple things about the students and, you know, what they hope you take away and then they, they leave. I can't imagine just like running out. No. Yeah, this one was wild. You got scammed. And I, I talked to this person a little bit <laughs> after. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. That must have been just so awkward and terrible. And they were like, yes, it was incredibly annoying. But also now it's kind of funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which it is one of those things where genuinely, I mean, I don't know the person that submitted this. So I don't know how they handled the situation. But I just know my own awkward self would have been just like total deer in the headlights i don't know when i would have i don't even I, I genuinely don't know how you navigate that situation i would have looked at my pianist and been like what do we do <laughs> oh my gosh well speaking on this this person submitted the story that said a few years ago i sang in a met council master class for a very famous soprano known for her donna anna and elvira in giovanni i perhaps stupidly sang mitradi for her she proceeded to make me cry on stage while we worked. After the class, she taught me one of her cadenzas and then told me I could use it for my upcoming auditions. Sugar with the medicine. To me, I've also done this where I sang a Mozart aria for some in a masterclass setting where the host was like a Mozart, you know, the Mozart TM kind of singers, you know? Yeah, a Mozart scholar, like somebody who just specializes in Mozart. Yeah. And I had something similar. I didn't cry, but I truthfully, like, was very frustrated because I sometimes feel like when you do master classes for these very highly specialized people, they sometimes have the idea of, like, why are you singing this for me if you're not also on my level? Which is not the point of a master class. Like, I'm there to learn. Crying in front of someone you're working with is just the worst feeling in the world, too. And you can't help it. Like, if you've cried in front of people, it's okay. You're in a vulnerable position and it just happens sometimes, but it does really, really suck because you feel unprofessional and you feel, especially regardless of who you are when this happens, it sucks. But I think especially if you're a woman, it sucks because you feel like, oh, I'm over emotional. I'm not professional. And it's just a terrible feeling. But it's not true. It happens and it means that you're putting yourself out there in a difficult position. So be forgiving to yourself if this happens. And clearly the teacher didn't mind because she went and worked with you backstage to teach you a cadenza. That's honestly the greatest takeaway because that's pretty sick. Well, that's also good because that tells me that even if she did it, she didn't mean to. She may just be used to just being able to be kind of maybe a little harsher than she should have been in this particular master class. So it was clear, you know, she wants you to do your best. She may have just not known, you know, when you're giving master classes, I think all these people are working with people at all different levels. Like, you know, I've met people who are really used to working with undergrad students and I've met people who largely work with young artists. And that's a really different level of like what kind of feedback you can give and how how quick to the point you can necessarily be. Because those are people are are at different levels in their ability to hear and take in criticism and not be wrecked by it. Yeah. And also when you're working with young singers, especially like an undergrad, the things that you might ask a young artist to 
fix on the spot. Like young singers can't always do that in a master class setting. So it can become very frustrating and embarrassing when they're not able to. I don't know. Being a master class host really is like a unique breed. And when you see the people who do it really well, they're fabulous. And there are yeah. a gazillion fabulous singers who just maybe don't necessarily have the temperament for master classes. Being an incredible singer doesn't always make you an incredible master class teacher. Doesn't always make you a good teacher at all. It's a yeah. very different skill set. Yeah. But I'm very, very happy that this person at least got a really sick cadenza to use at their upcoming auditions. Yeah. That's that's a good takeaway. I would be I would be really excited. I feel like I like that they said sugar with the medicine. But yeah, that is a, a very tricky situation because sometimes when you're working for people who are known for a role or known for a type of music that they sing and you bring in a selection in that vein, it can either go really well and you get some awesome points from it or it's just kind of like, why aren't you me? <laughs> and you're like, oh no. But good for you. You powered through and you got a new cadenza. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm pretty hype about that. We did get a couple of submissions about uh, some run-ins with the role of Cherubino, and they're just wild. <laughs> Do you want to read this first one, Jesse? I was in a masterclass in Italy performing Voice Sapete. After I finished singing through the aria, the teacher stood up in front of everyone and said, yes, yes, that was fine, but I really prefer this aria in a tenor voice. I told them this piece was never intended to be sung by a tenor. <laughs> that is a risky throwback, uh, that's a risky thing to point out to someone in a master class, but good for you, because you're right. He seemed very <laughs> doubtful of this and called the tenor on stage to sing the aria the way it was supposed to be. The tenor very uncomfortably began singing, and the teacher said, See, isn't this better? He worked with the tenor for the remainder of my allotted time while I sat in the audience. Literally everyone, including the program director, was like, What? Yeah, what? This what? one blew my mind. I'm also very, very, very confused because I've never, ever, ever heard of a tenor being subbed into this role. No. So I don't know where this man got this idea, but I think what's even more shocking is that they just happen to have a tenor who knows the aria. That is the other plot twist. Yeah, but the fact that they would coach them on it for an entire thing, that must have been awkward for that tenor. Oh, so uncomfortable. Yeah, but as far, you know, I don't claim to be a Mozart scholar or anything, but as far as I know, like, traditionally, this is always played by a woman. You know, there are definitely roles that go both ways. Like, the the spirits in Magic Flute have, are played by young boys or they're played by young sopranos. That one is kind of one where it goes either way. But yeah, as far as I know, Carabino's always a woman. Well, I mean, talk about one of the most famous pants roles literally in opera. Like, it's the, one of the most iconic pants roles, so why are we debating whether or not a tenor sings it? Well, and, like, was the person not given the list beforehand? Because if you didn't want to hear that aria from from them, like, why not just ask them to sing a different aria? Like, why let them sing it only for you to say, I don't think women should sing this clear women's part? <laughs> How dare you sing this, this woman's <laughs> aria? Yeah. A different person wrote into us, also talking about Carabino, and said, singing Carabino for a master class, and she comes up to me and very quietly tells me to sing like you want to stick your penis into every woman in this room. That's incredible. Honestly, as a person who has played men before, on in multiple shows, opera and non-operatic, I love that as a piece of advice. I hate it. <laughs> it's wild. 
It's wild, but I love it. I mean, that is Carabino's character, though. He's a big romancer. I hate it so much. (laughs) I love that advice. (laughs) Okay, hold up. Hold up, though. I would would die if somebody said that to me mid-masterclass, but honestly, it would probably make me relax because I think it's so funny. Okay, hold up, though. I'm still caught up on the first story because... (laughs) Because I can't get over the fact that not only the okay, I really can't get over the fact that they were like tenor come up and sing this, and that the tenor just straight up knew the aria by heart. But can you imagine the absolute horror of your masterclass teacher just being like, "Yeah, it was okay, but like I'd rather hear this other person sing it," and then cut your masterclass time? I can't even think of something more ridiculous. I can't get past it. Yeah, to give anyone else that coaching time, and it, honestly, it sounds like they were being spiteful about having somebody point out that they were just incorrect (laughs) yeah it's always rough to try and point out to someone in power that they're incorrect about something and it's it always goes poorly all right this next story is is just so good it says i think a few friends of mine have crazy quotes from this particular teacher who i understand is no longer in academia and i hope she's happier for it Anyways, my favorite story is when I was about 19 or so and I was struggling to get some particular technique thing during my private lesson. My teacher stopped me to say, you know, I may not have a husband and I may never have had children. I may live far away from my family and I may not be happy with a lot of my life, but I have a palate lift and my perfect technique and that is all I need. (laughs) I had no response to this declaration. It was wild. Picture it with a strong southern accent punctuated by the word shug. I love that. Jesse, can you reread that quote in your in a, in southern, a southern accent? accent? Yeah. Bless. Yes, I can. <laughs> you know, I may not have a husband, and I may never have had children. I may live far away from my family, and I may not be happy with a lot of my life. But I have palate lift and my perfect technique, and that is all I need. <laughs> Shug. <laughs> what is that? What is that word? Sugar. Shug. Oh. It's I... it's literally short for sugar. <laughs> I'm happy to be here to be your southern translator. I was about to say, clearly, if you can't tell by my California accent, I'm not southern. <laughs> Bless your heart. This one blew me away. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, once again, what I would print that on a shirt. I would print that on a sweatshirt so quickly. <laughs> I love that quote so much. I, I don't get me wrong. I don't want to work with that teacher, but I love that quote. Yeah. I messaged this person afterward and I was just like, you know, I really hope that this person is finding happiness in their post-teaching life because I feel like to get to the point where you just say this to your 19-year-old student, what a spot to be in. But also, like, the energy of this, I relate to. <laughs> like, I don't want to say that this is me because I hope that I'm not in that position (laughs) but oh my gosh the just like you know everything else may be crumbling but you know (laughs) I got that great palette lift and my perfect technique and that's all I need that is just like it's a form it's a very weird form of big dick energy that I just really vibe with (laughs) I appreciate it what if we like it's the definition of weird flex but okay oh my gosh you know what like this kind of reminds me of this was a hot take but, um, you know, when you watch videos of Leontine Price talk about her own voice. Oh, yeah. And the way that she talks about her voice. 
that it was like a gift from God and that it was like the most beautiful voice she's ever heard and it's her own voice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like queen energy. But something about the end of that, but I have palette lift and my perfect technique and that is all I need. Like, I feel like I could quote that from Leontine Price. Like, it's the same energy and I love it. I aspire to have that kind of energy about my own voice. <laughs> uh, yeah, that one quote from Leontine Price that's literally just like, my voice is a gift. I think it may be the most beautiful lyric soprano voice I've ever heard. But she's talking about her own voice and it's just so iconic. Who's going to fight her, though? She's Leontine Price. I don't know. No one's going to fight her. That's why it's just... But to even have, like, an ounce of that confidence is just absolutely hilarious to me. Oh, my gosh. Our next write-in says, I once had a stage director who loved pushing the boundaries with Arya exercises. The point was to get your head to do something else so your body could focus on singing. He did not like the way I sang va, so I became the next test subject. He set music stands up all over the room at varying heights and angles. He told me that I was a lost baby deer looking for its mother. And he made me sing the aria while crawling on the ground in front of the entire class. I still hate that aria, but I do love baby deer. <laughs> oh, I love people when they get real crazy with their with their techniques. Um, you know, when you said this, I thought we were going in the direction of like the pencil throwing thing again. Uh, but we did not. We we went way, <laughs> way off path for that one. Oh, my no, gosh. This one comes with the best plot twist. I love it. I am a lost baby deer while crawling on the ground. Yeah, I think some people are just trying to, like, troll us mid mid master class. I think some people are just abusing their power. But it's also it, like whenever we're put in these, like, insane positions it's usually because we're working with a stage director or like an acting coach that just likes to to get weird and just likes to get weird that's true no offense we love you we love you our artistic directors but sometimes you guys go real crazy yeah and it's just i i love it i would have loved to have been in the audience watching this but i can't even imagine how self-conscious i would have been doing this as the singer see but this brings up very much a very, very memorable masterclass that both you and I were in attendance for that was an artistic director. Oh, gosh. We had we had an artistic director come in who was pretty well-known and a really good friend of one of our teachers. A good friend of ours got up to sing. She was kind of a, a baby dramatic at the time. And she's singing this aria, and they've built a bench to be like kind of like a fainting b- couch, essentially, in the scene. They've built a bench for her to work off of, because he's, he's doing it like it's a real opera scene. Anyway, he's trying to get her to lay down on the bench, and she keeps leaving different parts of her body, like, stiffly up in the air. So in order to get her to actually lay flat on this thing, he literally spanks her <laughs> mid-master class. And we are all just sitting there in shock, being like, oh, no, no. Meanwhile, the person who's really good friends with this director is taking pictures of the masterclass because he's <laughs> going to promo it on some part of our school's website. We were losing our minds because we were like, the teachers realize what's happening, right? Like, this is f- wild. It was so inappropriate. This masterclass host was like, what, 60? If not. Yeah. Well, and let me say this. I don't think he was purposefully being inappropriate. Um, No. It was inappropriate. Don't get me wrong. And 
we should have said something but yes it was wild and i mean in 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 the singer's defense this makeshift bench that jesse's talking about was like two chairs or three chairs put next to each other so it's not like a perfectly flat surface which i think is perhaps why oh yeah they were not laying totally flat. And like you could tell the singer was very tense. She really didn't understand. I think they knew they weren't doing what they were. Yeah, it was just, oh gosh. She literally just didn't understand that he wanted her to lay flat on the surface because it was very awkward to do so. And he decided instead of communicating with words, he was literally just kind of going to spank her. Yeah. He was absolutely oh. wild at the time. And we were all shaken by it. Were we like sophomores in undergrad? Oh, yeah, it had to be freshman or sophomore year. Yeah, we were babies, and we I just remember all of us looking at each other shocked. Like, it was so tense in the room. The singer, like, had a pretty good attitude about it. Oh, um, yeah, she was fine. She had a good laugh about it afterwards. Yeah, she did not seem so upset as I'm sure anybody could have been. Yeah, it was just, it was a, it was a bad, inappropriate move. Yeah, it's two very different <laughs> ideas about appropriate personal space uh which is why it's really it's really important in our in our in our master classes and in our operas to have someone whose only job it is is to negotiate that kind of thing yeah you really do need some sort of like supervisor person yeah just like an an intimacy coordinator uh for shows that it needed and just a general like advocate who is unrelated to the situation to yeah. just navigate personal touch. I would say in most master classes nowadays, I actually have almost always had teachers say, can I touch you if they're going to adjust positions? I, I yeah. think it's gotten a lot better. Yeah. But yeah, that was a wild thing to witness as like a freshman <laughs> or sophomore. <laughs> oh, oh my God. gosh. Yeah, we had real... It was. It had to be one of the first master classes we saw. Yeah, and we were like, "Is this what happens in master classes? <laughs> Is, Is some what? man going to spank me?" <laughs> lord horrible well oh my gosh kind of going off this vein this one person submitted a very short and simple but a very important lesson that says um how about when a presenter went to grab a young lady's ponytail without realizing it was a wig hashtag always ask <gasps> that is like the worst way to <laughs> just have your wig snatched First of all, why was he trying to grab her ponytail i guess maybe to adjust her head but even then once again just ask before you Ask. Ask before you touch someone's hair, especially. Jeez. That's also awful because there are so many ways that you could position somebody's head without grabbing a ponytail. Like, that to me seems very... I mean, yes, obviously you should ask regardless, but, like, that specifically seems very odd to me. And I don't know what this person was trying to accomplish if they were trying to move their head or... or if that's something that happens in, like, the aria that they were singing, I have no idea. But that, to me, is just absolutely wild. I feel so bad for this person. So the big takeaway, in case you haven't already known this as just common sense, <laughs> is before you touch anyone, ask them if it's okay. Yeah, it's just the safe bet, you know? Because some people have wigs and some people don't want to be spanked. I don't think anybody wants either of those things to happen. I definitely don't want to be spanked. <laughs> yeah, I'd be pretty upset if somebody grabbed my hair. Yeah, I'm okay with having pencils thrown at me, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, we. but that's the thing. Everyone has their own personal limits, and all you have to do is ask. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, 
also this next one is just it's unfortunately like right on the money but i hate that it is that way so this person said i was once in a master class with a and these are all capitalized very famous mezzo and after singing the and after singing the seguidilla she told me that i would probably be cast as carmen quote not because the way you sang it was exceptional but you look the part and casting directors aren't very imaginative that's just rude rest in peace <laughs> f for respects I, you know what though that's not like i've i've had people say stuff like this to me and this is what i'm saying it's unfortunately like this is a thing with this role this is this this is a thing with many roles oh yeah no i'm just saying like i had somebody tell me once like for those who don't know what i look like like i'm a like small white soprano she's a tween with a voice that matches my body <laughs> huh you're a tween i yeah i'm but i i look very uh like i look like i could play pretty much any soubrette role because i'm just a small person and i look young which sucks because there are tons of people who can sing roles just as well as i can who may not look typically the part and also because i feel like men get away with what much more yeah not always but but this one was was just shocking to me. My jaw literally dropped because that is just that's wild. I'm sure that this person sang it just fine. I could sing Carmen because they could actually sing it <laughs> and not just because of the way they look. I will give that the absolute benefit of the doubt. But what a what a wild thing to say to someone in a masterclass. Well, it's so dismissive, too. Yeah. Like, if somebody's just sung for you, you know, it's okay to say something like, you know, the fantastic thing is you do also look the part for this role. Like, that's something you could say without it coming off too bad. But saying, like, it's not about how you sang it, it's that you look the part. Like, that's such a diminutive way to talk about someone. Yes. Um, and just because casting directors are still doing that doesn't mean we need to do it to each other. Yeah. Like, just because some casting directors do that doesn't mean that it's a good thing that should continue. <laughs> Oh, oh, opera. Well, this next one uh, blows my mind. Jesse? Our next person says, I was told to sing an aria, specifically a part that involved a higher raised soft palate, as though I was giving a blowjob. There are more similar ones, but damn, that was memorable. Um, <laughs> This is like the Carabino one. Yeah, but the Carabino one is talking about a very, like, a sexual kind of role, which is why it didn't bother me that they said that. This one is just awkward. I, this one is so awkward. I also dearly, dearly love the person that submitted this, and I just can't even imagine being told this in a master class. Like, why do we have to bring this kind of stuff into it? Why can't you just, like, I don't know, there's literally an infinite other amount of ways that you could describe lifting the soft palate that is not giving a blowjob <laughs> i can't even imagine that is just like horrifically inappropriate there's also just a bunch of assumptions going on there uh, yeah <laughs> true yeah i think you i think you turn around that around on them you ask them what exactly do you mean by that <laughs> dang uh honestly no, I was just going to say, that's when you turn to the masterclass host and be like, can you demonstrate for me? <laughs> oh, God. Ah! Yeah, please demonstrate. Alrighty, folks. And to wrap it up, we have one, <laughs> one story that I just adore. 
And this person wrote in and said, My lovely quirky professor has said a slew of delightful things in my time with him, and I can't think of a specific moment. However, he once commented that a soprano had a machine gun coloratura, and I may have used that as a drag name for a performance a year or so ago. (laughs) That's incredible. Isn't that a great drag name? Machine gun coloratura? Like, even if you are not a music person and have no idea what that means, that is, like, so good. That's so nice. I want to see that drag. If this is you, please send us a picture of you in drag. <laughs> yes. Because I, I kind of want to see. 10 out of 10. I know. I want to see the, the mystique of machine gun coloratura. Like, honestly, I want that on a shirt or a sticker or something. Yeah. I want that to be my alter ego. That's amazing. Wow. Maybe we should do a poll, Jesse, of, of best opera drag names. That's honestly not a bad idea. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah. So send in your best opera drag names. For me currently, Machine Gun Coloratura is by far number one. So I would be interested to know if any anyone could come up with anything more clever. Leave us a leave us a comment on our Instagram. <laughs> I love it. We'll have to ask on stories oh one day. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for sharing your stories. It's just such a delight to know how kind of universal the experience of wild stuff that happens in master classes and with our longtime teachers is. And I just want to say we love our teachers and we love the people who come in and work in master classes. We understand that we're all growing as people, but it's fun to look back on these silly moments of the things we've said and what other people have said and just have a good laugh together. Yes. I mean, you guys definitely delivered with these stories. There's Some of these are hilarious. Some of these are definitely awkward. Some are shocking. And some are definitely uh, life lessons. <laughs> but, oh my goodness, thank you guys so much for sharing your stories with us. We always have such a good time doing these types of episodes. So, once again, this is Opera Offstage. If you're into it, if you want more stories, let us know. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Opera Offstage. You can also check out our website. We have different goodies there. Also a good hub for different types of news. That is opera-offstage.com. And, you know, if you guys had a chuckle, if you guys enjoyed the stories, you guys are vibing with the episode, leave us a review. We would love that, and it definitely helps us. So thanks again, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.